millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Friday, my friends. Welcome to another Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. Of course, you can check me out, listen to me on Drive later today from 4pm alongside Darren. Oh, my toenails come off. Can you go and get me my lunch, Ben? Pathetic. Anyway, we begin with, of course, Premier League action where Eric Ten Hag's mighty Man United annoyingly drew with Spurs. How did that happen? Anyway, here's the reaction on TalkSport. United might feel it's two points dropped as they hunt for a place in the Champions League, but it was certainly an entertaining encounter at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Brian Mason's first game in charge of Tottenham finishes Tottenham Hotspur 2, Manchester United 2. When Eriksen left the game, maybe you lost a little bit of control that you had in midfield. I mean, I thought he was sensational in the first half. He played very well, but also I think in the period after halftime, you could see we lost the control. We conceded the goal and then uh, we thought we bring with Fred a player in uh, who can win balls in the midfield. Uh, we bring a player in with Marcel who can hold up a ball. Uh, but it didn't work out as we uh, as we expected. It's not about them two players because I think the whole team uh, was poor. Let's not forget, Hugh, before he made the substitutions, we'd already spoken about from the moment the referee blew the whistle for the second half, Spurs were the better side. So they had lost control in midfield. Well, that, that's my point. Tottenham had, become, had started getting on top in the game. Yeah, so that's why he made the substitution. I, I get the, the substitution of, of Fred for Eriksen because he needed a bit more power, a bit more solidity, a bit more defence-minded in that. But I'm with you on, on the rest of them, especially Wan-Bissaka coming off. We spoke about how well he was defending. I, I didn't get that one. I can only justify that if he's got an injury. If he hasn't got an injury, I don't get it. But in terms of the Fred one, They'd already lost control of the tempo of the game, okay. so that's what he was trying to do. On to Spurs interim gaffer, Ryan Mason. Oi, Goldstein, I think you'll find that was Stellini, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I suppose it was. That means Mason is the interim to the interim manager. Huh? I'll just play the audio. 
I enjoyed the second half, yeah, to, to see a team that, that were fighting for each other. Um, I think our fans felt that as well, especially off the back of being 2-0 down at half-time. To perform how we did in the second half is, is very pleasing. We created so many chances. We <laughs> we made some mistakes, but at the same time, we, we played with so much passion and, and we were together. So I thought we fully deserved the, the draw at the end, at least. What we've seen when he's come in today, compared to what we've seen under Stellini, Totally different. Took a bit of while for, for the wheels to get going, right? Yeah. Took a little bit. It's a little bit of ring rust, but I mean, they could have won that. They could have lost it, but they could have won it. He's done himself no harm. I, I don't the, think he's ready to be the Spurs manager. No, but I tell you what, how valuable is he in and around that football club right yeah. now? On now to the fallout from Sean Dyche's Everton and their clash with Eddie Howe's Newcastle. Everton in deep, deep trouble at the bottom end of the Premier League. They are running out of time. They need performances quickly. For Newcastle, it's a matter of when, not if, they make it into the top four. They've come here and taken all three points. They've beaten Everton by four goals to one. Unfortunately, it's a story that we've seen recently where playing very well, particularly first half, as you said, um, started the second half well. They can see, We conceded a, a really poor goal. And then our reactions, that's not good enough. You know, we, it's, we've got to be stronger, um, keep doing the basics, keep believing in the basics. And just the details, the details hurt you at both ends of the pitch and that's what is hurting us. We, we create good moments, we get into key errors, we don't find the, the final moment in, the, in their final third and they look freer than us because they're flying, they're rolling of course, um, and they're defending third. Too many moments get away from us, you know, the key moments and we don't smell it, we don't smell trouble quick enough. Everton, indeed, deep trouble. Is the players aren't good enough. The team that we've got isn't—it's not a Premiership team. I wouldn't back us against any other side in the Premiership. I'm driving home now after watching that. It was as bad as I've seen it. It was terrible. If you get relegated, there is a number of clubs that will be looking to try and take Calvert Lewin, yeah, Pickford, yeah, McNeil, Tarkovsky, Keane, Godfrey, Onana. Decoray. Honestly, I don't. I think you're underestimating this team. I mean, what does Mopey even offer? What is is Dice even watching the same game as us fans? He's got. He, he brings nothing to us at all, and he just consistently brings on Mopey. And we don't get it. The only noise coming from 3,000 travelling Newcastle fans who've seen their side score four goals as they look to lock up a place in the top four. The second half was really, really good. Um, first half was a bit transitional, a bit bitty for my liking, but you know the lads did really well. It was always going to be a really tough game here tonight with the atmosphere and conditions and, and everything. Took that in really well and uh, scored a good goal, but the second half was a standout for me. One more Premier League clash for you where Gazzaro O'Neill's Bournemouth beat Southampton. Managed, of course, by Peter Sellers. Oh, sorry. Mum said it should be Ruben Sellers. Might as well be Peter Sellers. We are staying up, seeing the travelling Cherries fans. They just might be Southampton, who had a late Shea Adams goal ruled out for offside. They are now six points adrift of safety with just five games to play. They are going down. Southampton nil, Bournemouth one. Yeah, it's not still over. We are going to still uh, going and trying to prepare every game, to trying to win every game, and trying to be competitive against any opponent. Uh, it's becoming more difficult and more difficult with the time and the games, especially because we are not getting points. Only one point in the last five games, uh, after, especially after the international break. 
and uh, it's all on us. I think we still can put some performances together, we still can go there and we will be fighting until the very end. The last team to be relegated from the Premier League on 36 points were Newcastle six years ago. Normally 34 is enough for safety. If you beat Leeds at the weekend, that's job done, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what it will take. I can see 36 finishing in the bottom three, so... Yeah, there's no, no celebration going on in there. We've got a game coming on Sunday. So, um, yeah, lads are making sure we reset. We've got five left. I'm sure if we win all five, we'll be fine. Now, after Arsenal essentially handed City the title after they capitulated at the Etihad, it's only right we hear from some Gunner supporters. We'll get the take of Talk TV host Piers Morgan. But first, here's Greg, the Arsenal fan. Call him rock and roll superstar No Gallagher or Wally. There's no need for that. Arsenal may be leading the Premier League race, but they can feel the hot breath of Manchester City on their necks. Here's Haaland inside the area and scores. The ball broke to him inside the box and he caps a fantastic Manchester City display. I mean, City just blew us away, but honestly, I have to put it down to Arteta, the way he set them up. He didn't learn anything from the previous three games. I mean, Zinchenko's gone way off it. Partey is just, I don't know what's happened to him. Saka's not turned up. We've been humbled a little bit. Maybe we got a little bit carried away. But I'll tell you what, what a classless bunch Man City really are. Why? Just you listen to them, they're so smug. Like, do you, do you forget where they came from? <laughs> they didn't even want to play the game in the first 20 minutes. They did nothing. And my lot, I've got to say, they just stamped on them. We've seen the governors tonight and we've seen a load of kids who are pretenders and that's it. I mean, Noel Gallagher, what a wally. But don't look back in We choked a two-goal lead against Liverpool. We choked a two-goal lead against West Ham. We struggled to even draw with Southampton. And now we've been absolutely destroyed by Manchester City. And that's four in four games. So I'm afraid there is no easy way to say this, but we have bottled it. And I, I do think it comes down to mentality. We've got the ability. We've got the talent. We've got the players. We've got the youthful zest and energy. We've got all those things. I don't think that City, man for man, before they walked out yesterday, think, well, every single player is way better than Arsenal's. I don't think anybody thought that. Otherwise, why would we be five points clear in the league? Now, ahead of his rematch with Liam Smith, or Smudger, as I like to call him, on June the 17th, Chris Eubank Jr. joined Wyatt and Jordan to look ahead to the fight. Now, during the interview, Simon took Chris to task over his claims of fighting world-class opponents. Pin back your luggles, gang. This is a fantastic Barney. Simon is fairly outspoken when it comes to boxing, fairly outspoken about everything. And Simon, you just, you described Chris Eubank Jr. as a charlatan after his defeat to Liam Smith. Wait, well, I elaborate him, on I, that. I describe him as a charlatan because we get to listen to um, Chris talking about world title fights and the level that he's at, and we don't actually get to see them many times. And every time Chris steps up to that level, he gets beat by it, as he has done by George Groves and Billy Joe Saunders. But what I also saw and what I also see, and I see it slightly differently now, is that he is remarkably one of the best showmen and best sellers in this country because someone that's achieved not quite as much as I think his boxing ability should have achieved is a remarkable showman. Is that fair it's comment, a remarkable Chris? showman. Is that fair comment? Uh, you, you know, anyone who's going to say that, you know, some of the fighters that I've fought and beat, you know, weren't world level or, you know, I've, every time I've only stepped up twice and I've lost twice or, 
you know, before the Smith fight, I don't, I don't think they really understand what it takes to get into the ring with uh, with these elite level athletes. Um, well, such as who, Chris? Such as Hugh? Who have you stepped into? You can say what James the Girl, a vanquished and finished James the Girl. Who are we talking? Who are we talking about that we're saying that you've beaten to suggest? That, that I'm wrong in that assumption. Many fighters on, on my resume that uh, have been world class fighters that I've beaten. Uh, and well, just give me an example, know. Chris. It's not obviously you, uh, you know I don't know what it takes to do what you do because I could never have the courage to do what you do, and that's fair enough, and I understand that. But I'm just questioning what you're saying by saying, "Well, give me an example of a fighter that I've not recognised on your record to say, well, actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong with my observation." He is a world-level fighter. He should be winning world titles. James Miguel wasn't wasn't a world world level. Not fighter. when you fought him, no. Why do you say that? Because he was finished and vanquished. What you fought was a carcass of James the Girl. Well, you know, you say that, but other people would say that. You know, I I made him look like that because of my ability in the ring. Possibly, possibly. I think a lot of people that I've you spoken know. to in and around the boxing fraternity suggest that maybe that's not the case. But I'm not here to split hairs with you. I think that this will be a great fight. Now, I was surprised at the outcome. I had Liam Smith to beat you, but I didn't have him to beat you in the manner that he did. After the fight, I didn't think there was any real merit because you'd said the Kentucky Fried Chicken eating fella that only needed to train for 60% that this guy was going to be easily dealt with. And if you lost, you wouldn't fight again. And I saw no benefit. But now I look at it again. I look at the fact that you had to go through two camps and got weight drains and all the challenges that you have. So now we might have the real Chris Eubank here now. I can see the merit of this fight now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we finish with Hawksby and Jacobs. They have a podcast, don't you know, called... Um, mine doesn't say what the Hawksby and Jacobs podcast would be called. That's weird. Anyway, here's Charlie Baker suggesting to Paul Hawksby that we should sell a Simon Jordan doll in the talk sports shop. 
You've embraced the idea of uh, in the Talksport club shop selling these little dolls of the presenters. Yeah. Pull the string on the back. What do they say? We inadvertently came out with a Simon Jordan one. Po- the pocket Beautifully Simon turned Jordan. out. Lovely. And yeah. it smells of like an expensive Tom <laughs> yeah, Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's almost like having potpourri in your bathroom. <laughs> you could leave it there. Be beautiful. Like an air fresh. It's like what, what? Yeah. What are they? Like a you scented candle. You see, I plug in Simon Jordan. <laughs> that smells of like three hundred quid bottle of aftershave. It'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just have it there. Oh, that smells nice. Your house smells. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, I bought this new it's plug, plug, in, plug in Simon Jordan. Pull the string on the back. It has a go at Jim. The Andy Jacobs doll. Yeah. Uh, on a Monday afternoon after Chelsea have lost, you pull the string. What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't like that. What's the point? The Alan Brazil alarm clock would just shout, Morning! <laughs> repeatedly till you wake up. That would be great, wouldn't it? The alarm. That'd be good. Imagine you sort of just go, Morning! Morning! <laughs> you get up, wouldn't you? Well, that's it, gang. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your Poddingtons from. I'm back on Andy Goldstein's Drive Time Show from 4pm with Darren Ben. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily Podcasts up first in the morning. Do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good day in the bubble. Be safe, everyone. Be as safe as you can. That was a podcast from TalkSport. 